All right. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited because today, I think this is episode 57 or 58. Look, I'm not quite sure. I'm definitely lost count. But today I've got my amazing cousin Giselle in the studio. Welcome, Giselle. Hello. I'm now, so happy to be here. I was just going to say, guys, you're going to find it quite confusing because we've got a very similar voice. Yeah, but if you hear something smart, it's Alexis. And if it's not so smart, it's me. <laughs> we normally like even, not. I wouldn't say normally, but we have on occasion called our mums and been the other person. Exactly. And pretended that, yeah, yeah, it's great. How are we, Do we have to say our names before no, we start Like, ding, Alexis. So... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm really excited to have Giselle in the studio because, look, I was going to put a question box on my Instagram for you guys to ask questions, but it's been a fucking day for me. And I have, I'm sitting here in the recording studio with my wheat sack. Giselle doesn't like me calling it a <laughs> wheat the name sack. wheat sack. <laughs> it's those sacks full of wheat that you warm up in the microwave. So I've nuked this wheat sack and I've got it draped over my neck. Um, she's literally been walking around Surrey Hills with this wheat sack hanging off, <laughs> hanging <laughs> off my neck. And then like it's that fine line of like the warmth is really helping me. But at the same time, it's stressing me out because it's so hot and it's like heavy on my neck. So I'm like, I don't know if this is helping or not, but it's at least therapeutic. So here I am with this neck problem. Then I leave my phone at home and we go into Surrey Hills to study and then I realise, oh, my God, I don't have my phone. I can't pay for it. Poor Giselle's been shouting my whole day. I don't have <laughs> <laughs> my card. And then I sit down to study because I had my iPad with me. But to log into the university, you've got this two-step authentication process that I've got to, like, accept through an app on my phone. So I'm like, fuck. And so I had none of that. Um, hit my head getting out of the taxi. Spilt my drink all over Everywhere. the table. <laughs> it, it's been a day. So... Um, what was my point? Why am I saying this? You're saying this because you didn't put a question box Oh, up. okay. There we go. And I've lost my memory, it seems. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I didn't put a question box for that reason. My phone is just chilling blissfully unaware, probably on my bed or somewhere. I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because it could be anywhere. It could. We had the whole trolley thing. Maybe it's in, yeah, we were returning a trolley. We had to bring a stump into my apartment. So I'm not even going to go into it. It's just too much, too much. Anyway, so didn't put the question box out there, but basically my cousin Giselle, we've got some great stories. This episode, I'm guessing it's going to be called something along the lines of shit happens, literally oh plus toxic, getting out of a toxic relationship. <laughs> so Giselle and I have twice in our life, well, no, because the second time wasn't at the same time. So, no, no, no. Once in our life gone through a like, very, very hectic breakup at the same time. Yeah. And, and that I, was, we made it worse for each other. I, I made it so much worse for you. It was like you were starting to see the light and then it happened to me and I dragged you so down. Into the mud. I'm so sorry. Through the trenches. Yeah. And um, But then we also got heartbroken again a few years later, but it was one year apart. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a year apart. Anyway, so we've both had very similar dating situations. It's felt like the partners were very different people, but yeah. the situations were comparable. Definitely. Which is so weird. And the pain coming out of it was yeah. fucked. Definitely. Yeah. So what I want to be talking about today is the pain of getting out of a breakup, in particular a toxic relationship breakup, how to kind of re-find yourself when you've had all these really negative or toxic thoughts about yourself or behavioral start to behavioral patterns start to arise within you and then you realize that that wasn't something you had before the relationship and now that the relationship is over you're now behaving or thinking a certain way whether it's thinking about what you expect from other people or thinking that about yourself or yep. like you were, has your self-esteem been shot to pieces and we're also going to talk about that short-term acute depression that you go through after a breakup which is of course serious but very different to major depressive disorder which is chronic depression so we're going to be talking about all of that um and yeah so there's so much to talk about I'm very excited and and one great anecdote which will make your day this story about Giselle if you've ever think you, you're hitting your lowest point you can get lower you can get lower <laughs> Because Giselle will enlighten you very soon within this episode of how low can you go? And you'll find out it's pretty low, okay? Me um, telling this story is just proof of how much I love you because <laughs> it's fucked. It's great. You're going to love it. Anyway, so before we get into all of that, I thought we'd start with some like anecdotes about our life because just a little rundown of who, what, what, who we are, what we do. We are cousins, obviously. 
We are born 22 days apart. Correct. Literally 22 days. We are... I I, baby of the family for 22 days and and you stole my shine. I stole your shine. (laughs) Literally. You were old news by the time I rolled around. And then it wasn't until for another four and a half years, I think, until Nikki was born... Three years. Three, three and a half. No, we were four, weren't we? No. Three. Three. Almost four. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think yeah. three years is a good time to wear that Until crown of glory born. of the youngest child in the family. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thrilled with it. Better than 22 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we lived one and a half or two blocks max away from each other. Yep, if when that. When we were growing up, if that. Our mums are sisters and they are just so, 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 so tight. And our dads are best friends. And our older sisters and uh, the four girls grew up as like the four C's, we called it, like the, like the four cousins. And yeah. then we've got uh, – well, I mean, obviously we've got more people in the family, but I'm talking about specifically like these two families. These two families. Two blocks away. And then I have a little brother. And then, of course, Nikki. Um, poor thing for him, he's not a girl. <laughs> so female-dominated. Um, anyway, so we – Always grew up with like very like we went to the same school. We went we were in the same classes a lot of the time. We, the we're very cl- very close with our sisters, and you guys have heard a lot from Stephanie. Not just on the podcast, but if you're on the Facebook group, she's very very active, giving epic advice on there as well. But um, we in that group of four had our own kind of you know we were the little ones and they were the biggies because they were older so they were yeah. the biggies and we were the little ones and now i have to post a photo on the facebook group but we even went and got a tattoo a, a like a matching tattoo where it says one but it's really little so it's a little one <laughs> so i've got it in my mom's handwriting and Giselle's is in my auntie's hand, her mum's handwriting. It's true. And we it was all on the the day of 22s yes so it was yes. the we made the decision on like what was it? I think it was on the 22nd of April. No. We made the decision about it on the 22nd of March. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Then we realized we were 22 days apart. And then we were at a restaurant and we we were sitting at the table number 22. And we remember this because the wind kept flipping over that fucking 22 number yeah. at this pub. And we're like, oh, fuck. Kept bringing it back 22, 22. Then we went to that cake by the meter place because we're psychos and we like eat so much cake. Kurtosh. Kurtosh. Was, so I wouldn't good. say by the meter, by the 100, <laughs> <laughs> by the 100 grams. And they were all <laughs> I wouldn't be against cake by the meter. Though. No, so let's if you do know that. of any place, please let us know. But that was also table 22. And then we're like, wow, we're born 22. Everything's 22, 22, 22. So then I text my mum, who was in Brisbane, and you text your mum, who was in Uruguay at the time. Yeah. And we said, can you just write the word one on a piece of paper, take a photo and send it to us? No context. No context. And so that was it. And for like maybe half an hour passed or 20 minutes passed. And then they both replied at the exact same moment and it was at 9.22 p.m. We're like, okay, that's our number, that's it. We're getting the tattoo. So if you believe in numbers, guys, can you please just let us know what 22 means? Please. I know that 33 is like, you're on the right path. Or no, 33 is like, fuck, I don't know, one, 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 one is you're on the right path. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I clearly know nothing about this numerology. Somebody Shit. tell us what 22 is, please. Yeah. Oh, this weight sack is really heavy. I've got it. <laughs> Can you hear it? Yeah, it's really what's, loud. What's the name of the? Is, what's the name of that sensory? What's it called? Where people make sounds in microphones? ASMR. ASMR, and people like get whispering things. Oh, yuck, I hate <laughs> it. ASMR. And no. I saw a TikTok of like ferrets sleeping, going. Nim, 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 nim. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, these people make money selling, yeah, clips of that. Anyway, so we're gonna go into what we used to do as children. We used to create. We're very creative as children, like very creative. Very creative. Um, and as I think our teenage years were even more creative because we used to. I we had my family had moved to Queensland when I was like 11, and then every single Christmas we'd spend two weeks down in Sydney, and then you guys would come up and spend two weeks up in Noosa. So it was pretty much a whole month together. The best. The best. The best. And we, one of the Christmases we created, I think we should start with a bang and tell them about our um, Ho 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 porn magazine that we made. Yes. We were 14 years old and we made a pornography mag- magazine cover. We cover. No, no, just no, no, the no, cover. No. I, th- I think by making it sound that we oh, together no, made no, no, a pornography no, 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 no. magazine, Sounds I think awful. we need to start again. I think That's, it was... We well, created the design for a cover of a porn magazine. Yes. Like a, well, a soft porn, I would imagine. Would, like a Playboy. Right. Starring 
Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera. We drew her on there, and the and the magazine was ho 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 h o e, and then it said put the horn. Back in horny, French horn included. Yeah. You know how back in the day magazines used to come with gifts and random like towels and beach balls and stuff? So ours would have had a French horn included. Do you remember the mistletoe? The mistletoe oh, was just veiny Because it was the Christmas edition. It was just these little veiny dicks with leaves around it. That's so fucked. We were 14. I know. And our parents are like, oh, it's so creative. <laughs> yeah, but just didn't like, we – one of the segments that we wrote on the thing was like how to have sex with your – Best friend's dad or something. Yeah, like, what something the fuck? so – we were so messed up, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. Then we – I think I told you guys about this before, but then we had a full-on cigarette company called yeah. Virginia Blue, which is a rip-off of Virgin Blue, surely. Yeah. <laughs> um, surely that's not a coincidence. Virginia Blue, and we made these cigarettes made out of paper, rolled up, but the actual filter bit was made out of permanent mark, like blue – Permanent marker. But we had to put sticky tape to cover the permanent marker because one, the first time we ever did it, we coloured it in with ink, rolled it up. We had one each and we inhaled it. We're like, <gasps> and it hit it the back of our so throat. Bad. And it was like toxic, toxic, like it's like like snorting fumes essentially <laughs> as children. And we're like, this is, we're like, uh, and like, it's going to our brain. So we're like, okay, we can't be doing that. Thank God we we, have, we were, I know, we were mature smart. enough to Definitely. say that. So then we like created this whole range of little boxes of, you know, Cigarettes, we had cigars, we had lighters, we had a cigar box, we had everything. All made of flavors. The lighters were even made of I feel of paper. we were ahead of the game with the vaping thing because we had f- all the flavors. We had sherbet, oh, we had. We did. Yeah, it's kind of like an amalgamation between cigarettes and what we vaping is now. We should have copyrighted it. I know, we should have, but we didn't. And then the best part of it was we made commercials off it and we had yes. about six different commercials. So I am going to find one that I can get into a, a proper format to put it on the Facebook group. I have to. There's the song that we had. We, we had, had a, a song, song and dance. Work. We had a, like an Alabama father and son scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we also used the brand Virginia Blue in a soapy that we made. And we made a soap opera as well called John and Martha. And <laughs> we there was four characters in the soap opera. I played both John and the mistress, and, and you played. What was his name? Frank. Martha. No. Yeah. And Frank, right? It was something like that. Something like that. And every single character was having an affair with every single character. Yeah, yeah, they were all. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. It's typical. So we did that. We also created murder mysteries, um, like a murder mystery about. I think your name was Sandra Solomon and I was the narrator and I would have to narrate while filming her and she'd have to act out everything I narrated and we had it in this weird, I don't know. Anyway, so but you can imagine we were filmmakers to be. Definitely. You a know. featured character that was consistent was Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez was in everything. And her her album, this is when when that album, what's it called? The album that came out in 2002. So we would, have been we would have been 13. No, On the, the Six no. was the, the Oh, the J-Lo. The J- was, no, no, no. It was the other one that she did with. Alive, not. The one with, about Ben Affleck and all of that, oh, you know. I could see that. Uh, st- is it still? Still. Is, is that, that the name? Or is that the single? I can see the cover. Yeah, and it's, it's her, like all like all neutral, neutral tones. tones yeah. And it's her like on a couch or bed oh, or something. Oh, this is going to drive yeah. insane. Anyway, it'll come to us. Yeah. Um, I think it's just still. Okay. Anyway. Uh, whatever. We'll see. We'll check. We'll check. So, um, okay. Now, one thing that we thought we'd run by you, listeners. I wish this was interactive. That's why I need to do a live show so we can have like interactive in the moment voting and stuff like that. 100%. How sick would that be? 100%. Because I'd love you guys to give us your opinion. But we'll put it – I always say this. I always say, put it in the Facebook group. And I never do. So hopefully I remember. But we want to start a TikTok. We're not joking. We want to start a TikTok called Premium Cakes <laughs> and then <laughs> – and then we're going to get like register the business name, premium cakes. And what we do is we get you guys to send us either TikTok videos of really creative, very talented cake makers. Complex. Complex, complex. very, very complex structure to these cakes. Okay. Um, or photos that you have, ideally a video so we can have some idea of how they made it. And we replicate it with zero experience. We have no experience. Are we selling these cakes? To the highest bidder. Yes. <laughs> Just so you know, Alexis and I are horrendous. We bake, uh, yes, but, but we once tried to make black icing and we put so much of the black icing that it was leaky and there was black yeah. shit all over our hands. So We're creative. Very creative. Yeah. And we can bake 
very basic cookies. That's about as very good as it basic. gets. Yeah. So yeah. we try and fail most of the time. Okay, so now let's get into it. Let's get into the actual topic of today, which is navigating. And I think this will be good because even though we don't have a question box that I ask the listeners for, I think it will be really good because I kind of know a lot of the questions that have already been asked. Yes. And I think a lot of people struggle with coming out of a toxic relationship, knowing it was toxic, but still missing their ex as well. Yeah. And it's that it's that gray area that you're in after the breakup being like, I'm so destroyed. I don't know who I am out of this relationship. If that person came back, I would just want to be with them. Yes, ideally I'd want it to be better, but I'll do anything to be back with them. But mm. you know deep down that you lost so much of yourself in that relationship as well. Yeah. You know, I think we've... I can't say we've all been there, but I think a lot of us have been there. You definitely have. I definitely have. Yeah. Um, so let's let's just talk about how what you went through after your big breakup. Okay. So my just me as a person, when I love someone, I love fucking hard, and I to, to my detriment. And I've learned that coming out of this particular relationship mm. that giving so much of yourself when it doesn't work out, it leaves you so empty. Yeah. Um, and I do want to touch on that. So remind me because I want to touch on that because it's a good point that you brought up. But continue. I won't remember. Okay, you won't. Okay. <laughs> Only because I do want to – basically if I say it out, maybe I remember. But it's the whole concept of how do you truly give it your all in a relationship without losing yourself. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. cover that. Yeah. Important. Um. Yeah, so I definitely am a person who just gives way too much of myself to the point that in this particular relationship, I lost myself completely. I definitely started to have my own toxic traits. Jealousy was a big one. And a lot of when I reflect on who I was in that relationship, a lot of it comes down to me being so insecure. Mm. I was not convinced that this person wanted to be with me yeah. and that's not her doing. I think yeah. that's a combination of her behaviours but also my reaction to things. Um, so definitely that insecurity turned me into a person that I wasn't and then I was there was, there was often times that I was told, for example, that I was very quiet or very mysterious or very introverted and that didn't really add up to who I had always seen myself yeah, and, and known yourself as being. Because Giselle, obviously, we together were very, you know, outgoing, clearly, with all the stories we just spoke about. But Giselle, growing up, was very social. Super very social, social. And also into acting, into doing this, into doing that. There was a yeah. lot going on that you were doing that it, you know, to then be told, oh, you're the introvert, you're the quiet one, you're this, you're that. It kind of is like... Am I though? Like, do I argue? Is this what you perceive? And I don't want to argue. I don't want to call you a liar because maybe that's what you perceive. But am I really? Because yeah. I didn't think that that was me. I definitely became that person. Yes. And you I don't did. think it was my natural self. And it, well, it definitely wasn't because, you know, I have a partner now who will tell me that I never shut up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, there's a lot of backstory to it. But, you know, when we first started dating, there were a few things that were said, I suppose, about me that weren't what I see is the truth. Mm. Um, and so I just became obsessed with being so perfect for this person because I was just so afraid that I would upset them or do the wrong thing. Um, and I think that put me into my shell because I was just so nervous to do anything that's going to be seen yeah. in a way that I don't intend it to be seen. Um, anyway, that's a really long backstory, but just that whole thing of me just not being myself, losing myself. Then when we when it actually came to the breakup, there was a few events that led to it. So leading up to the breakup itself, there were a few things that happened that were bad on, I would say, both our sides. Um, and we have different experiences of what happened through the breakup. I saw it as a mutual decision, um, which in the moment we both felt. Then later down the track, I learnt from her that she felt that I had ended it, which fucked me completely mm. because the reason the, the relationship ended is because I think deep down we both realised how toxic it was and it wasn't good for either of us anymore. Yeah. We were so codependent um, that 
yeah, things started to get really messy. Any breakup sucks. But when you break up with someone when you're still so deeply in love, Mm. it is really hard because you're doing the right thing. You're doing the mature thing. Hindsight's everything. And I know that uh, I can't speak for her. We don't speak. But I absolutely know it was correct now. Yeah, of course. Um, Oh, massively though. Yeah. I've found myself in ways that I had lost like – my early 20s self came back. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, it's now like, it's that playful, fun, spontaneous version of you, which was always kind of there, but really suppressed. Yeah. And I mean, when it would come out during our relationship, I would have comments from her like, oh, I'm, I'm happy you're confident. I'm happy things are changing for you, but I'm just not used to it. So I have to, I have to get used to you being this way. Which is toxic emotional manipulation, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, but in the moment I was like, oh, well, I want to make her happy. And if I'm behaving in a way that doesn't make her feel good, then I kind of went back in my shell. And that was, you know, something yeah. that happened. Um, but yeah, so after the breakup, I fucking went, I was a shell of shell of a human being human. like I can vouch for that I think I spent yeah. most of the I'm so <laughs> sorry no please don't like like na- nights at your house I was so drunk <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you're an alcoholic it's not <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it in that way no, because Giselle didn't even really go out that much and I'm not a like I'm not a big drinker at all she's not a big drinker as it is but now you're more like a social kind of uh, drinker way more but back, I feel like back then when you were in that relationship, you, you weren't even. No, not at all. You wouldn't go out drinking. It wasn't really a thing. You, you were a homebody, but not by nature, yeah. you know. Anyway, so then <laughs> because you hadn't been drinking for a very long time or one drink here, one drink there, then one day we had a Skype call. Was it with Carly in LA, I think? Mm. And we had like two bottles of wine or some shit and we we're sitting on the balcony as well. This is at the Surrey Hills place. And you got so drunk. I don't know what you're going to say. I'm so nervous. I don't remember this. (laughs) No, no, it was fine. But you were in the bathroom vomiting on like a Wednesday night just from having drinks during like COVID restrictions. So we definitely weren't going anywhere. We weren't going out. (laughs) And I was feeling totally sober because I unfortunately have more of a resistance to alcohol. And I'm like, why is she vomiting? (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure I vomited in your shower. Oh, look, that's fine. It's better. Better there than, Honestly, so hectic. That's so funny. Yeah, but I was like, I mean, I moved back to my parents' house, obviously, because I had been living with her, so I moved back to my parents' house. No, okay, okay, so let's just kind of break this down. You came back from overseas. Yeah. Then the breakup happened then. Yeah. Because you were gone for about a month. A month, yeah. Yeah. You were gone for a month, came back. That's when it kind of all dissolved. So get this, guys. Get this. Breaks up. They were living together, so ends the lease, moves back home to your parents'. You had already quit your job before you left, so you didn't have that job? Yeah. Well, yeah, same company, but I had – so I work in the disability sector. I was working more of like an office-based job. Mm. So quit that, but super lucky that they kept me on the books so I could come back to do support work. Yes, casual support work, yes. So you had this job that wasn't kind of – it was just a casual job that wasn't the job you originally had by choice. Yeah. Um, so imagine like you've moved back home, you are no longer in the relationship, your job is not what it's just like a more a casual based job. You then decided that you were gonna quit acting. Yep. So everything was turned upside down. Everything. Absolutely so you everything. weren't just dealing although the breakup was the biggest thing, you weren't just dealing with that. Oh yeah, but it obviously that was the biggest impact, but everything changed at once yeah. everything changed and I was a horrible support worker for that time because my head was not there to to be with the person that I was supporting um so I'm sorry <laughs> um but my days literally were like my parents live about an I don't know 45 minutes from where I was working and I was working in the area that I lived with my ex so I would drive out there hope that I would bump into her I would be there from 6 a.m chain smoke go to work go <laughs> so back to the hectic. beach it was honestly so hectic and also extremely unhealthy because that that stage of where you're desperately heartbroken but in this awful awful place of hope yeah. where you are literally you are a hostage to that feeling and you will do anything if there's the chance 
where you might bump into them or the hope of seeing that person and you're in that place where you're like, if only we saw each other, maybe then, you know, then you are literally, you become crazy. You actually feel crazy. Absolutely. You feel that you're not in control and that you're doing things that if someone else did it, you'd be like, you need to relax. But then you find yourself doing it. And what am I doing? Everything. I would do anything and everything to potentially bump into her. Also, everything reminded me of her. I could look at a pebble and come up with a story as to why that pebble was the same tone as her hair on this one time. Like, honestly, I was so... Yeah. She was everything that... Yes. Like, it just consumed me. And I did bump into her a few times. Yeah. Like, and it... And you did talk and you did... Yeah, so it... Which then made it... Really, it made it worse. It did. And this is what I want people to really get from this story, from everyone's story that you hear around this topic, is that in the moment it feels better because it soothes what you're so desperately craving. Like, that, that need that you need is just instantly satisfied in the moment. It's kind of like a drug addict, literally. Yeah. The drug, taking it again, is going to soothe those horrible withdrawals that are making you sweat and you can't concentrate. So in the moment, yeah, okay, it it seems beneficial because you go back to this normal state of calm. But long term, it's so much worse for you. Oh, it's so much worse. The stalking on Instagram shit. Yeah. To be honest, I was pretty good with that. But I did do it a couple of times and... The couple of times that I did never made me feel good. No, I would read a ca- like a, a status on an Instagram post and be like, I remember one day she posted something of going to the beach, and I'm like, she's only posting that because she wants me to know where she is and she wants me to come and find her. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you tell care. yourself these fucked up reasons yeah. of why they're doing it, and and then you might see a post where they genuinely seem happy and you're like are they happy or are they not I don't know know." like it's what are you doing to yourself and we all we've all been there but it's so 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 toxic and one thing that if I can help people in one thing and hopefully this story helps as well is that hope is fucked in a relationship in a breakup hope kill hope the 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 longer you hope the longer it takes you to get over it you don't even start grieving until you can get rid of hope a hundred percent I think that if you're meant to be together, you're going to come back together. All hope is is pointless suffering. It's, it it's is. like you're you're putting yourself – it's all you think about. You're not growing. You're not changing. You're not developing. When, when we originally broke up, the whole concept of the breakup was like I've lost myself and so have you. We need to figure our shit out. Yeah. In high, like now time has passed. It was definitely not just a we need to find ourselves. It's like we're completely wrong for each other. Yeah, exactly. But like – yeah, ho- that hope was what fucked yeah. me so badly. Wasted your time, made you spiral so much more than you needed to. Yeah. It puts you in a state. Because this is the thing, guys. If you are heartbroken about it, if you're going to get back with that person, I can guarantee you it's a, it's a different relationship anyway. Yeah. It should be, at least, a new relationship. If you break up with someone, no matter if you're both legends, your next relationship should be new even if it's with the two same people. I agree. So you still need to grieve that relationship. That relationship will never be again, ever. Yeah. So that's how you've got to look at it. When you break up with somebody, regardless of what happens in the future, your eyes should not be on the future of whatever occurs with that person. Yeah. Because then you're thinking, but maybe we will, maybe we won't. Maybe I shouldn't move cities because then there's no chance. Maybe I shouldn't have this amazing experience that's going to make my life so much better because then I won't, you know, it's this, you are cock blocking your life basically Mm -hmm. because you're living in limbo waiting for that person to make the next move a hundred percent and I think if that if it's going to come back also don't rush it and I'm not trying to put hope in saying that but it's like three months after the breakup we because I put myself in so many situations to bump into her we did we had conversations we started talking again it was so unhealthy for both of us that it got to the point that at the end of that little few weeks of talking, she had sent me a text saying that she needed to take time for herself, like just the day, and I never heard from her again. It yep. was like that last message, it was like done, gone, that was finished. It. And I didn't want to chase that either because of other things that had happened in the past when she wanted space and I didn't give it. And so it was like... You, you, you knew you had to. Yeah, but I... But, by her asking for space, me giving it to her, never hearing from her again, the pain was so much worse yeah. than it had to be. Like it was done, should yeah. have left it done. 
Yeah, and 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 I think why it's so painful as well is because you knew that you could have. Yeah. So it's this whole, which is pointless because looking back into the past and looking at now, it's oh, it's, it makes it so. It's just detrimental for your mental health. Yeah. But when you're in that situation, you're feeling I could have just not revisited this, and I would be three months ahead 100%. of where I am right now. And it's a hundred percent. You know, so it's that back and forth, which you can't avoid. At the end of the day, if you make that move and it doesn't work for you, fine. Yes, that's Alexis, life. But you know very well that things got worse. <laughs> So things did get worse yes. and you were living at home for a few months, which kind of worked out anyway, because that's when COVID then hit and mm-hmm. all that like lockdowns and everything. You do not want to be living alone in the state that you were 100%. in if possible, yeah. if possible. But it was good because like, obviously you like so tight with the family. So it's great to have that support. Family's fucking amazing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's talk about your lowest point. I think it's time. Okay. We've warmed up 30 minutes in. Let's go. Okay. So... Um, the lowest point. Um, so in this time, obviously I was living at home, but there were nights, like we said, that I would come and stay at at your place. So there was one night where I had stayed at Alexis's place and the next morning you were teaching Pilates somewhere. Yeah. I had like a six or 7am start. Yes. It was 6am start. Right. And I had a psychologist appointment in... Double so, bay? Uh, double bay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but that wasn't until 11 o'clock. <laughs> so in this time, I was like, I was that person that was doing absolutely everything to keep myself distracted because it was that time. So and I was you like, were like, I might go to the gym. I might do this. Yeah. I, might I was, I was working out. I was learning to draw. I was learning guitar. I was like doing apps. I think that's a standard. You learn guitar when you go through a breakup. Like <laughs> that means yeah, for yeah. some reason. <laughs> um, I, I don't do it anymore, but at that time, great. So I was just like, that's fine. Alexis is leaving at six. I don't have an appointment till 11. I've got plenty of time to just like draw, read, do whatever I need to do, fill this time because if I'm not like I, I just needed to keep busy. So you leave at like, I don't know, let's say quarter to six. Mm. I left at the same time. I don't know why I just didn't stay. No, I don't know why either because no. you could have literally – anyway, you yeah. didn't. That's I the main didn't. thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you guys are going to love it. So – I leave at the same time as Alexis does. I've got hours before my appointment and there's nothing fucking open at that time at yeah. like 6 a.m. There was, I don't, maybe was it, was it a weekend or something? I don't know, but there was, there was nothing open. No, yeah. it was a week. I don't know. Nothing open. Anyway, so a bit of backstory. I have a condition called ulcerative colitis. Um, it doesn't usually affect me too bad, but the way that it can affect me sometimes is if I need to shit – I need to shit (laughs) and I don't really have a huge window to get myself to the bathroom. So Alexis is gone. I'm sitting in my car. I think I was drawing something at the time. I was obsessed with drawing women fighters. I don't know. My thing. Um, So I'm drawing in the car and all of a sudden I'm like, fuck, I need to go to the toilet. And nothing was open checked my phone nothing no and my housemates weren't home for i think no, no, they no. weren't and home and even that if time. they were i wasn't going to knock on the door of and be course like, you should have no nah, i wouldn't it's better have than done that. this story yeah no <laughs> <laughs> anyway so I start driving around Surrey hills and i'm like something has to be fucking open and then i see a tree and i'm like it's going to have to happen behind this fucking tree so i pull into this little street I open my door and there's a guy going for a walk and I'm like, what am I thinking when I shit in, on, on, on the, the street path? Like, <laughs> it's 6am, it's not the middle of the night, not that you would anyway, but it's like, it's not that crazy for people to be out. So I get back in my car and miracle I pops in my head, Fox Studios. I'm like, there's public bathrooms in Fox Studios, easy parking, like just Go. get yourself fucking down Anzac Parade and get there. <sighs> so I start driving... <laughs> I get out of Surrey Hills I start driving down Anzac Parade And I'm like nah It's happening Like literally I'm not going to get to Fox Studios And I look next to me And I'd been You know Retail therapy the day before And I had a JD Sports bag It's a black Solid bag So I was like Well it's gonna happen I'm wearing one of those tops That clip underneath So, so it's like Those body suits Body suit yeah. things So while I'm driving literally like accelerating driving I pull my pants down I unclip my top pull down my underwear I grab this bag get it underneath me once I'm ready in position I go to red light and this guy crosses the road in front of me and like not saying he checked me out but like our eyes connected for a while and I was like mate if you only knew what was happening right now he keeps walking I covered myself in clothes because I had slept at yours so I had clothes thank god 
So I keep driving down Anzac Parade, locked eyes with this guy while shitting. <laughs> <laughs> I literally shit in this That's bag. very acrobatic of you to be able to do that whole manoeuvre with one arm, really. Lucky I'd been going to the gym so much in this time because I could hold myself up yeah. while driving. Your quads would have been on fire. Yeah, definitely not a manual car, so I could hold myself oh, up no, while that would this have been happening fact. at the same time. That would have been fucked. Anyway, so then that happens. I shit in a bag. I get to Fox Studios once and I... And it was a clean cut shit. There wasn't... No, thank God. Thank yeah. God. Imagine um, if that was... Yeah. yeah anyway, if it was yeah. a messy situation, mm, it would have been mm. terrible. Get to... Well, obviously, I've moved the bag at this stage. Get to Fox Studios. Get my clothes back on. On. And then I look at this bag next to me and I'm like, I need to take Just this... Dispose to, I need this. to dispose of this. So... I'm walking through Fox Studios fucking heartbroken and I'm I'm crying all the time at this stage. So it's not <laughs> like there's not like literally walking through Fox Studios crying, holding a shit in a bag. Your shit in my a bag. Sh- <laughs> holding my shit in a bag until I found a bin and threw it in the bin. Oh then obviously went to the bathroom, whatever. And that was my story. And it was just fucking the And the, you had hit rock bottom at that point so guys if you ever think you're hitting rock bottom just think am i giselle right now crying walking through fox studios holding my own shit in a bag that i shat in while driving while locking eyes (laughs) with a beautiful man it could have only been worse if they were doing bag checks no it could only be worse (laughs) if the bag was see-through oh Oh my god that's fucking imagine that's so bad it's so bad and i did not tell my psychologist which, Which would is have been so the, weird. The she would have been thrilled. Look, she was so lovely. Not the right psychologist for me, but I felt so bad that I just stuck with her for months. See, that's the problem, guys. If you are like, I'm such an advocate for going to speak, advocate for people going to speak to somebody, but you have to r- find the right person for you. Yeah. Don't think, oh, it doesn't work because I tried it and it didn't work. You, it. <sighs> Honestly, try like three, four, try. You've, it's got to click. You should feel like, yes, I found my person. That's what it should feel like. Yeah, but you know my personality type. I go in there, there's this lovely, tiny woman who's <laughs> listening to me and I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's nice that somebody wants to hear me. She didn't help me at all, but yeah, oh, well, no, maybe she did. I'm better now. Ma- yeah, ma- yeah, maybe it's like a, a long-term kind of Her and the thing. guitar. And, yeah, and, yeah. The, and the ex- – yeah, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Okay, so what I want to talk about quickly is this whole concept of like when you then hit this depressive state yep. after a breakup. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, you're not actually depressed, you're just heartbroken. But I'm going to say uh, if you're truly, truly, truly heartbroken, that is depression, mm. but it's acute depression and it is very targeted, specific depression. You're depressed about something that's very um, relevant to like one event that's occurred in your life. But the same thing happens with loss, you know. Yeah. It is a form of depression, but it doesn't last. It's not like ongoing. It's not chronic. It's not considered major depressive disorder. So I think what a lot of people need to realise is that it will go if, – if you're somebody that's not normally – that not normally has major depressive disorder – but you have depression when you're going through a breakup, know that it goes away. Yeah. Try to do your best to always be, you know, experiencing new things, talking to people, having a support network. And, you know, I'm all for if you need I'm, – I'm all for you doing you. And if you need antidepressants and if you need to get on that, you need to do that and that's fine. I did it. And you did it. Yeah. And you were on it for how long? Probably about three months. Yeah. Which, look, I was getting to a really good place at the end and I think sometimes that's a dangerous point to stop yes. antidepressants because you're like, you're not sh- like you don't actually know yeah. if, it's the de- if it's the drug or yourself getting better. It's very early on in the piece. Yeah. And I mean, obviously not giving any advice on what you're doing or what not you're doing, but one thing that you need to realise is that the way it works, the most successful form of treatment is when you've got depression is a combination of pharmacology, like pharmacology, like, you know, SSRIs or whatever it is that you're on and behavioral therapy, which I was doing, yeah, which is the best. That's the best. Second to that is behavioral therapy, then antidepressants alone. Mm -hmm. So if you're just taking the antidepressants and not doing any of the behavioral therapy and you're feeling good, but nothing in your life has changed circumstance wise, if you get off it, don't be hard on yourself or don't be shocked or surprised if 
the depressive states come back. 100%. You have to ideally be doing both things for it to be an easier transition when you get off the antidepressants. That would be my recommendation to anybody. There's nothing trumps behavioral therapy. Can I ask you this actually with antidepressants? Mm. So what I didn't expect was when I started taking them, the first two weeks, I was so much worse like started taking the drug it yeah. fucked me is that like normal well yeah it can be normal well, the, the thing is that as it stands with most antidepressants most people don't actually feel the effect of the antidepressant until two weeks so there's something going on and they find it really really interesting and they're still not understood why it happens and why it takes two weeks sometimes longer for the antidepressant to kick in it's obviously already working on them in normally the monoamine pathways which are like these three particular neurochemicals, which is um, serotonin, dopamine, and um, norepinephrine. And it's kind of works on how they are, they are reabsorbed or how they are released and all of that. The weird thing is that there's other drugs that work on similar pathways that work quite instantly. Like something that works similar, not, not identical, is cocaine. People feel that straight away. You know, a lot of drugs, recreational drugs, are felt straight away. Whereas an antidepressant, it works differently and it takes weeks to kick in because obviously it's a much smaller dose, but, but it's... They don't understand why the mechanism of action works the way it does and why it takes okay. two weeks, but something's happening, obviously. So for some people, the the they can have quite negative side effects and mm -hmm. feel completely different because you're ultimately playing with your chemical balance in your brain, yep. how the release, the rate of the release, the rate of the reabsorption. That's what's happening when you take these drugs. So that's why a lot of people sometimes have to go on like three or four different antidepressants before they find the right one. You stuck it out and then you started to feel better. But a lot of people, if they're in a really depressive state and they start to feel worse, they often won't stick it out. But then yeah. the problem is you then need some gap time where that fully fades off. So another two weeks of nothing, mm -hmm. minimum or more, and then try another drug. So sometimes it can be a long process for some people if yeah. they haven't found the right one, which is quite exhausting. Yeah, that is. Mm. But what I was going to say before when you were saying about um, acute depression, yeah, I think it's super important. So when when I was going through it, the amount of times I heard from people like uh, kind of diminishing what I was going through in the yeah. sense that like it's just a heartbreak. Like, like it sucks you'll get, you'll over, get it. over it. Yeah, It feels fucked. Mm. Like it's it's almost – it can feel almost like a death. Yeah, like, of course. This the person that's the most important person in your life is gone. gone. You have sometimes, often, you might not have any contact with them. Mm. You feel a sense of powerlessness. You feel a sense of even if it was a mutual, you do feel a sense of abandonment in the yeah. sense that you now can't can't reach out to them when you want to. Yeah. You feel, and a lot of the time, you feel absolutely like you you have no resources to deal with it. Yeah. That I think is one of the hardest things when you are in a place where you're like. I don't know what to do next to make myself feel better. Like I am struggling and there's nothing that comes to mind that's going to that's going to soothe me right now. Mm. Hence why you then get into a depressive state. So for someone to turn around and be like, no, oh, you'll get over it. If you don't feel that you have the tools or if you don't feel in any way, shape or form, you know, positive about your future in that moment, it's not good enough for someone to say you'll get over it. Yeah. So what I would recommend if you're firstly – don't feel the need to have to put a label on it. You don't have to say this is what it is, this is what it isn't. You just can acknowledge that you're not feeling good. But also if you're around people that are all about, you know, oh, it's this, let's play it down, let's play it down, often they do that to help you. So yeah. don't think that they're being malicious and don't think that they're, they're trying to be like, it's fine, it's fine, you're fine, we're all fine, we've all gone through it. But also the problem with that is you don't want to then feel that you can't talk to people mm. about it. And you don't want to then feel ashamed that you're feeling the way you're feeling or that you've got it all wrong and no one should be feeling that way. <clears throat> and if you're feeling that way, then something's wrong with you, okay? You need to start reaching out to people that understand you. And it's not about playing the victim and like going around in circles around around and around about how horrible life is and how horrible. But it's about finding people that understand your point of view so then you can then maybe hear what they did to get over yeah. it or hear what they did to start to feel good the next day or feel good about themselves. And, you know, and a lot of it does come, I think a lot of it comes down to creating new experiences for yourself, learning new things. It doesn't feel great in the moment. Um, you know, distraction tactics, definitely getting rid of hope. There's a whole bunch yeah. of things that you can be doing. I definitely feel like I, like as much as I was in a horrible state, mm. I always knew time was on my side yeah it was not gonna last forever um 
like there's things that can still trigger me from situations that happened in that past relationship. But as far as the heartbreak and stuff, that's all well and truly gone. Like mm. I, and in the moment, as like I can logically think this isn't going to last forever, but my emotional feelings is like I'm never coming out of this state. But being able to go to people, talk about it, people that everyone's gone through a fucking breakup. Like yep. you were the best person for me because you've been through the most fucked breakups. Mm. Like yeah, and we've done them together, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> literally like yeah. our history. Although my two major painful breakups were with the same person, it was like yeah. history has taught us that like it just fucking time yeah time will heal and then there are certain things you can do to speed up the process as well you know and yeah so I think that put yourself in a situation where you're speaking to people that are going to make you feel good about your future yeah about how you're feeling and about that you will eventually be in a place where it it doesn't feel that way but that both listen to you and motivate you because you don't just want to be listening like you don't just want the person who will like empathize with you to the point of like it's, where you, it you're is horrible, feeling, this is going to suck yeah, for all. Like, you where know. you're feeling worse, yeah. exactly. Ideally people that have gone through something and have a story to tell. I think yeah. it really, really helps to listen to people that have overcome what you're trying to overcome. So if you go through a fucked breakup, you just have to think, I'm going to help someone else with this story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This story will one day be someone's like, what's that? There's a meme about it that one day my heartbreak will be someone's um, – Oh, it's really good. And now I'm just going to butcher it. But basically it's going to be someone's like um, survival guide, basically. For sure. I mean, yeah. well, your own heartbreak was your podcast. And yeah. Yeah. Like, how many people have you helped? I know. I know. Definitely. Like, and I've had so many people listen to it being like, that's my story. That is yeah. my story. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. I resonate. I resonate. I That happened exactly to me. And I think it feels good. Like, and I was the same. If I ever met someone that had a similar story, I'm like, tell me everything. Tell me everything. What did yeah. you do? Because you look happy now. You look this. You look, tell me. And it's so good because it puts you in a mindset of like, wait a minute. It's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. There is so much there. And I'm like, I would go so far as to say is like, try and have, even in the depths of your despair, try and have moments, little pockets, even when you're the most heartbroken to think, I'm sitting now at the precipice of a brand new life and that can be an amazing thing. You might have lost the person that you think is the love of your life, but there's many more loves in your life Mm -hmm. if you allow it. Uh Maybe one that's the one for you, but maybe there's several that you experience different loves throughout your life. And A hundred percent. You know, like it's it's exciting. You might be heartbroken, but you can have these snippets, these like glimmers where you're like – I actually can do now anything with my life. I'm it's a it's a reboot. I've 100%. just hit the reset button. Honestly, it's opportunity. Like mm. from the beginning of last year when I was mid heartbreak, I have had five jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a serial quitter. If I'm not happy, I and I don't think it's the right thing to stay in a job that you're not happy in because I just don't feel like you commit. Yeah. Um I'm not a serial killer to my new employees. <laughs> um, did I say killer? I meant quitter. quitter. You said <laughs> I have. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> um, um, I've started my degree at uni. I, in creative like writing? Said, yeah, in creative writing. Um, trying to write kids' books. Yeah, no, I, I think you're the best. Books. Love yeah. it. Um, you are writing kids' I books. Am. Literally, um, she's already done an epic one for her niece. Yeah, Aww, my beautiful so niece. Um. Yeah, and like like I said, guitar, drawing, I'm super into drawing now. Like just I, I did all these things to yeah. distract me. And then on a journey to like build my friendships, I found the most beautiful human being who's now my girlfriend. Like yeah. it's – We love Frankie. Yeah. Frankie, mm-hmm. we love you. Yeah. And a lot of that came down to you, and I know you mentioned it in one of your podcasts, but you want – your piece of advice literally changed my mind when you said to me when I was like stuck and I was like I don't want to make any decisions – in case I make a decision that burns my bridge back to her. Yeah. And you just said to me, Giselle, if you're in a moment where you feel that it might burn the bridge, fucking burn the bridge. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like she's not coming back. She doesn't want to be with me. It's like it's Start clear. making those decisions that start writing your new 100%. reality. And so I did that. I started making – and I, like I'm the most well-behaved human being in the world. Like I didn't do anything wild. But yeah. I would – just make fucking decisions. They don't For yourself. Honestly, didn't burn any it's no there's no bridge to burn. Yeah, like, but I think you think if it looks like I'm now moving on, 
they might not then approach. No, just exactly. do it. Just if it looks like it. I've now completely, yeah. you know, found something else for me or someone else, like that, just do just it. Do it, and then you're going to feel like a sense of power back. Yeah. It's amazing. So another thing I wanted to talk about was oh, okay, like getting rid of. I'm just reading this list of shit that I've written. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Um. So yeah, getting getting around the beliefs that you've created because often you get you're in a toxic relationship you then build up all these beliefs about yourself that you're Mm -hmm. not this not that you're you're actually not really that confident you actually need that person all the time you then get out of the relationship feeling jealous insecure not that great you're not you're not building yourself up anymore how do you it's this concept of how are you able to start to re why are those thought processes mm. because you feel not only you're heartbroken but now you're insecure yeah and that guys that happens obviously from a toxic relationship if you've dated someone who's quite healthy you're probably feeling the heartbreak but you're not feeling shit about who you are as a person you know so uh, yeah i mean i literally came out of that relationship thinking everything was my fault um just you were very hard on yourself i was so very hard very hard I, it, is it was who I am it was hard to watch yeah. yeah terrible um but like so insecure that I didn't realize that I had gotten so bad. Mm. Like insecure in everything, in my own decision making, yep. in in whether or not just not being able to read. Like even in my my current relationship, there's been moments where I'm not. I feel like I'm not able to read her. Yeah. Because in the past, there's been situations that I thought I read clearly. And I was then told later that I was completely wrong in yep. how I read something. So, like, I've had uh, occasionally, but I've had, like, a meltdown with Frankie because I'm like, I don't know, do you actually want to be with yep. me? Do you want this? Do you, like, it's just this. And the problem with that, though, is that for Frankie, she – and she's probably never – Frankie's a fucking angel, legend, sweetest person. I love her so much. But somebody and, – and a lot of us are on the receiving end of this. Yeah. If someone's been through trauma – in a relationship or or a toxic relationship, if you don't want to call it trauma, whatever. Like they've been through something in their relationship that's caused them a lot of pain and caused them to become insecure. They then bring those toxic traits into mm. your relationship as an insecurity. Not that they're trying to make you feel bad, but they're the ones now doubtful this, that. Then you're going to feel like, wait a minute, what have I done wrong? You're now being like, you're questioning me on this. You're asking me to, yeah. to, to reinforce this again and again and again. I'm not sure why you're doing this. So then often – we drag toxic traits that we learnt from our ex and we push them as insecurities onto our new partner. Yeah. You've got to get to a point where you have to be willing to do the work on yourself, mm. everyone, where we have to be willing to do the work on ourselves, acknowledge that while we didn't cause it, we are responsible for stopping that. The cycle, The transfer yeah. of the behaviour. Yeah, the cycle. Because my questioning of her could just ultimately turn into insecurity for her and for her just being push like that onto her. am i yeah. not clear do i not i don't yeah. understand you know so it's this whole thing of like if you start fe- what you've got to do in these situations is like number one like the, i don't think there's anything wrong with you saying listen i just want to let you know that i don't believe this about you i've just had a situation in the past yeah I'm- make sure but make sure that it's not something like well uh, I'm, I just don't trust you because I was cheated on. No, I'm sorry. No. But fuck off. <laughs> I, hate, the, I yeah. hate that shit. You can be like, listen, if I act insecure with you, it's not that I don't trust you. It's just that I've been cheated on in the past and I'm working through it. Mm. But don't listen to my bullshit. Just know that that's where I'm coming from. That's kind of what you want to be saying. You don't, I don't think that you should say, just accept it or take it or leave it. Because hopefully they leave it because yeah. that's fucking bullshit. No one deserves to be just because you've gone through shit don't put it on your future partner. 100%. And, but that itself has been a struggle. So say we've been in a situation like this. Mm. I was also told a lot in the past that I'm a terrible communicator. So for <laughs> me to be able to communicate to her and I've yeah. worked on it, f- I hope, well, I'll ask Because her. <laughs> you've acknowledged it though. Yeah. I know you have. Like you, yeah. you see it straight away. And I, I talk her through in any situation where I'm having like anxiety coming up yeah. or something's triggered something, I – I'm able to articulate to her and she's such a good listener and she's super patient with me. And very chilled, like yeah. very, very as like she she does, she will never jump to conclusions. No, and nothing shocks her. So like yeah. I'm super comfortable to be able to say like, I'm sorry I'm behaving this way. I And I don't want to bring toxic traits into such no, a... No, but talking about it's fine. Yeah. 
It's when you just like throw it on them and then get defensive. That's oh, when never. it becomes, you know. You couldn't be defensive with her if you wanted to. <laughs> I know, like, I know. She's so sweet. I know. But yeah, so it's that, it's that idea of like the buck stops with me. I'm yeah. not going to carry this further. I can I can talk about my insecurities. I can talk about a time that I felt like, oh, that just raised all these mm. like fucked thoughts about or like a memory. It's, communication is key. Yeah. Just make sure that you're, you're, it's an open conversation and not a uh, manipulation like, oh, now you've done this to me and I do. Well, I've been hurt in the past and that's of just course. how I am. Which and obviously you don't do. But <laughs> but like I think that's what people need to take away from this. It's okay to be the one that's got all this residual carryover from the old relationship, but just acknowledge it and talk about it yeah. with your part with your new partner. Definitely. And if if you fuck up, if you react in a way that you shouldn't react, then talk, just talk about it. Loop back yeah. and apologize as well. Like Exactly. Yeah. Own it and don't and yeah, own it and explain yourself all the time. The more you can, the more you can communicate about it, the more they are going to feel calmer about why you might be behaving the way you're behaving. And then, if you bring it up, they then feel comfortable to pull you up on it if it happens again. Yeah, because they'll be comfortable to say, "Hey, look, I noticed that like you, you spoke to me about feeling jealous and insecure because your ex used to cheat on you. You're kind of doing it again." And then you're like, yeah, true, 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 okay. And then, you know, so it's this gentle reminder being like, hey, just letting you know, hey, just, you know, so that's, yeah. I feel like that's really important yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's wrap it up with one final thing that I wanted to talk about. And it was when you realized that you weren't 100% straight. Because okay. we, well, we were talking about, I didn't go and have just randomly brought, <laughs> brought this up. We discussed this earlier. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's, Good to hear these stories and tell these stories because not everyone has the same journey of knowing when they were a child or when they were a teenager. Um, I love men. I was in relationships with boys throughout high school. I had a long-term relationship with a beautiful guy in my 20s. For like six and a half years? Yeah, six and a half years. Um, And for me, there are moments that I can look back and see in, in hindsight, like, oh, I don't think I was just, like, admiring that girl. Maybe I was, like, intrigued by her. Or a minor crush on her or something. Yeah, something like that. But for me, I didn't realise my sexuality until I fell in love with a girl. Yeah. And, it like, I did not expect it to happen. Um, I – we met, we became best friends, we became really close, and that friendship – evolved into love and it was really confusing for me and did it happen pretty quickly um yeah relatively quickly like it it definitely wasn't a friendship from the start that felt like any other friendship because usually you're just mates with someone if you've just met especially as an adult I don't think it's like full blazing straight away yeah exactly but with her it was like just a different bond um and yeah it 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 definitely developed pretty quickly and then after the breakup with my ex-boyfriend, like it was, it just rolled on. Like mm. it just grew and grew and grew. Um, and yeah, I think it it was a really difficult thing for me because we, I didn't want to tell my family. I wasn't ready to tell my family because I was trying to figure out what the hell that meant. Like yeah. identify as straight for so long and then, you know, have a few thoughts over a few years and be like, oh, was that this? Was that that? Yeah. And I guess and until – I guess for you, you probably, like, without wanting – it's not that you're trying to shut people out, but it's like I want to sort this out for myself before I'm trying to explain it to somebody else. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Which was then hard when it came to – like, it got to the point where it's like I'm fully invested in this person and I can't not share it with my yeah, family. Yeah, of course. Um, hectic time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, having to come out, I mean, I was mid-20s, which isn't way – like, there's people who come out way later. Mm. Um, but realising it at that stage – Yeah, that's I the think, thing because that's when you noticed it within yourself that that's actually what it was. It wasn't just, oh, like you said, I wasn't just admiring somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, like, I think for everyone – and maybe this is a judgment because of the experience that I had, but I think sexuality can be fluid – I don't mm. think it's always black and white. Like, I identify as bisexual. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess a big lesson that I kind of learnt 
for myself was I was mm. so strictly identifying as straight that had I not had that label on yourself had yeah maybe maybe I would have had newer experiences earlier or what like whatever like these yeah well it's like what I can't remember who it was but it's one of your mom's friends and she says that like sexuality is kind of on a spectrum there's only a few people that are 100% straight on one end and 100% you know gay on the other end there's so much in the middle it's not one the other or you're bisexual like there is so much much. you might think that you're really really straight but the the needle swings a little bit and that already is different to someone who's kind of in the middle or different to you know like it's a spectrum 100 percent, and it's not categories even my attraction like is fluid on that so yeah when i first was attracted to this female i was like okay but i'm still straight it's just this one girl yeah and like had that because i was obsessed with the label so i was like no no no. i'm straight but this is one girl yeah and then being in a relationship with her for a long time i got used to that so it's like well am i attracted to guys because i'm just attracted to this girl now so maybe i'm all the way on the other end and then and maybe I'm and then the, and then looking at the different labels there's like pansexual there's bisexual there's am I straight and just attracted to what you know I think people there get are so stressed many labels, yeah. on having to identify themselves but it's okay to not <laughs> it's so okay to not it's you know? so okay to not like I'm currently just because of the way that my mindset is I'm currently attracted to one human being mm. so I'm Frankie sexual I don't know <laughs> like like yeah, exactly. that's, that's the person for me yeah. but I like I can generally say now like I am I'm attracted to other genders like it just yeah. doesn't have to be just clean cut for me exactly exactly yeah and I think it's good to be able to just be comfortable with that I think yeah. a lot of people get stressed on the label and I think it's not out, out of their fault I think it's external pressure often 100%. what are you though what are you? Are you? But what are you? Are you bi then? Are you like what's it to you? Can't like fuck off. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Like I know. so, because of that, I think people feel that they themselves need a label. So then, when they ask, they're like, hey, "This is what I am." hundred percent. And that's the same issue that we're having right now with gender labels. Yeah. Like I like I don't care what gender you are. Tell me your pronouns and respect it. Like if yeah, you yeah, don't I understand it, it just yeah. be respectful. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, another thing that's hard, I think, about realizing not so much coming out, but realizing your sexuality later what is the side of coming out because it's very confusing to other people. So like I have an amazing supportive family, but it is, I can understand how it was confusing to my parents after coming out of two consecutive long-term relationships. I'm a long-term person. Yeah. 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 You're like Um, a serial monogamist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like coming out of two long-term relationships with guys and only showing any interest like I had a guy Sebastian poster on my wall and like 50 million Adam Brody pictures oh, obsessed with obsessed, him in obsessed. the OC yeah, yeah hectic um but like yeah it's then the challenge of having to explain it when you fully don't understand it yourself is, mm. was wild yeah exactly it is yeah it is and it's at the end of the day, it's one of those things that, and I do, if you're in a situation right now where you think I want to properly come out as just who I am, even if there is no label, but to say this is actually me, there is actually more to just being attracted to these people or these people or whatever it is. If you are in that situation, I encourage you to listen to podcasts, speak to people, get get yourself in a space where it be, where you are able to just normalize it become really comfortable with these stories Mm. and realize that people do it all the time and I feel that even if you don't know these people personally you'll feel more supported knowing that that person also went through that that person went through that that person start to seek out stories where you can find more understanding around a situation or emotional understanding and I think you're going to feel a lot more comfortable with you know how you're expressing yourself or you know I always feel that I love to listen to other people's stories and experiences it's and I think so it helps helpful. you then ask yourself those questions and, you know. If like, anyone's a bit older and is struggling to like with curiosity or their sexuality, you can talk to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Giselle is on the Facebook group, obviously. Yes. Um. So even we'll just do like a little, I don't know, I'll, I'll tag you in something and if anyone wants to, you know, start a conversation or whatever, we can... We have so many plans from this one so podcast that we need to... fucking plans on that fucking Facebook group. It's the cake thing. It's the, are you coming out? And how to talk to Giselle. It's videos of John and Martha. Yes. Um, and, oh, like, oh, Virginia Blue. 
commercials. That's it. Obviously. Yeah. There's also something else that we're like, we'll come back to that. And oh, we, we never did. Yeah. Don't know what that was. We're going to have to do a part two of this, obviously. <laughs> oh, my God. It's already, a, uh, I was going to say one minute and five seconds. It's already an hour and five minutes. Okay. Amazing. Um, Thank you so much. G, G Banger is her name. Um, um, yeah. That's the better <laughs> nickname you've given me. Let's stick to G Banger. G Banger. Oh, look, we also call her Jizzface from Giselle, Jizzy, Jizz, Jiggy Jizz. Um, she's just staring at me like, you're fucked. <laughs> oh, wait, Jizz face started when we were children. We didn't know. We didn't know of the it. meaning of it. And then we're going around like, Jizz face. Your Gmail account was Jiggy Jizz at no, Gmail. No, no, it, it was Jiggy Jizz at Yahoo.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so even bad. better. I want that email back. We, yeah, we need to find yeah. it. We're going on a petition. Guys, if you guys know, another thing for the Facebook group, <laughs> if you know how to resurrect an email account from the dead, Does Yahoo please, even do email? I have no idea. I don't idea. know. But if you guys know that and how to source this, let us know Help because us. we'll be thrilled to, <laughs> to resurrect jiggyjiz at yahoo.com back into our lives. Okay, then we'll leave it at that. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, Giselle, thank you so much. Jizzface, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Um, hopefully you guys didn't hear too much white noise with my um, my wheat sack. Um, and that is all. So as always, remember... Be kind to your brains. Be kind to yourself. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.